Welcome to the Refuge City Church Midweek Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Thrower, the lead pastor of Refuge City Church. So let's get into Sunday Sermon. This was Sunday Sermon! Well, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast, episode 10. Can't believe it. It's pretty crazy. Um, I want to just kind of uh, reinforce something that I talked about on Sunday instead of kind of going over something I missed. Um, As you know, we finished the series on the letter to the Philippians and um, come across the last three verses, which is Paul's final greeting and how can you make a sermon um, out of those three verses? Well, I did. Um, It's verse 22, and I think it's one of the most significant uh, farewell greetings that Paul has given in any of the New Testament letters, and I'll explain all that why. Uh, This is chapter 4, verse 22, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, this is where the people drinking coffee would just kind of spew it out all over you, and uh, or some of them will just start saying, what did he just say? I can't believe he just said that. This is insane. Followers of King Jesus from Caesar's palace says, hey, y'all, this isn't by accident. Paul is a brilliant writer and didn't do this just by chance. And he just dropped an incredibly massive bomb to the church in a a good way, a good kind of bomb, if there is a such thing. Paul knew what he was doing. This letter starts to circulate around and gets back to Caesar. Someone's in trouble. So what does he mean by Caesar's household? Is it Caesar's daughter, son, wife? Well, let's try to wrap our minds around this so we can understand the significance of what he means by household. In context, a Roman household would work its way a little differently than it does today. When we use the word family, we think mom, dad, kids, maybe grandparents, maybe uncles, aunts. But in general terms, we think of immediate family, but that's not really how they used it in the Greco-Roman world. It's actually used of household slaves or servants. So think of a pyramid structure at the top. You have the father, um, kind of like an org chart. Everybody kind of trickles under him, maybe the oldest son um, and then the other sons and then kind of the, the women of the house. Uh, and then underneath them, you'd have freedmen. Um, and these are possibly men who used to be slaves who kind of worked their way out of it. Uh, and these guys worked for the household and they actually got a wage for it. Um, and then underneath them, there were slaves. Now, most slaves in ancient Rome would end up becoming freedmen, uh, which is pretty significant because if they're freed men and they have children as freed men, then their children receive all the benefits of the empire of Rome. So at the end of the letter, Paul says, oh, hey, the followers of Jesus who are in Caesar's household, they say hello. So think about that. If these Christians are slaves, then they become freed men and eventually work their way up the chain. Wonder what would happen if that happened. Wait, it actually did. So the story goes, the gospel infiltrated, there's our word that I used on Sunday, uh, the most powerful home in Rome. And guess what? Around 323, Constantine adopts Christianity to Rome. And I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, yeah, that's that's so awesome. Yay, thanks for pointing that out. Um, let's think about in more recent times, um, This would be like Paul writing during the Nazi reign and saying, hey, the saints greet you, especially those in Hitler's house or someone saying that in Iraq when Saddam Hussein. Um, And 
The saints greet you, especially those in Saddam Hussein's house, or insert any wicked tyrant that you want to put there. This one small verse that is mostly overlooked was in fact insight in how the Roman Empire would one day bow their knee to King Jesus. And now the topic of the week. So I want to just continue talking on um, this one idea of how Christians had been implanted in the household of um, Nero, and really just kind of talk about the significance of that as for us. I, I love how Paul has infiltrated the empire, this infiltrating culture, and, and you know, like I just said, in a couple hundred years, the whole Roman Empire is going to become a Christian. Uh, we're not all of them, but you know what I'm saying. Um, again, think about this. Paul gets saved by Jesus tells either the Roman guards or some of the slaves about Jesus and they are converted and a snowball effect happens. Isn't that our call? I think instead of the church infiltrating culture, culture is infiltrating the church. Uh, the neo-Marxism ideas infiltrating the church. The woke movement is also infiltrating the church, demanding it to bow to their needs. The pride movement. Um, all of these movements today are infiltrating our church, but our call is to infiltrate culture. What if we viewed our profession as if we were spies in the enemy's camp. What if as Christians we viewed everything we did as people who are causing a spiritual insurrection? So what does this look like? And I mentioned this on Sunday and, you know, I want to kind of give us some more practical um, ways that we can do this because it isn't a call for some type of insurrection where we get our guns and, you know, go raid capital as if that's ever been done before. Um, this is a call for spiritual insurrection. So what does this look like? Maybe it's you getting involved in your kids' schools. Maybe it's you running for a school board or hosting cookouts for your neighborhood. Maybe it's you running for council or mayor, or Congress, or Senate. Maybe it's also just being faithful as a mom or dad and teaching your kids the way of Jesus. Maybe it's also you being a faithful worker in whatever line of work you do and influencing the people around you. But I want to throw a flag in here. It isn't you trying to gain influence for your personal gain. It's wherever you are, you are pointing people to Jesus. And I also want you to remember, Paul was not passive about King Jesus. Everything he did pointed to him. Paul didn't say, I'm going to build a four-year relationship with the guard and hope he sees the Jesus in me. <sighs> if you Google how Christians can influence culture, you get a ton of articles on just subtle ways we ought to do this. We should just subtly tell them about King Jesus. I'm, um, I'm just not convinced this was the method of Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, or any of the disciples or apostles. Here's the reality, and I'll close. King Jesus, it's been the message of Philippians. And it's the message of our church today. If he is ruling and reigning now, it's time for us to start acting like it. So now in our gratitude section, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has gone through the series with us at our church. Philippians has probably been one of my favorite um, letters to go through, and it has both encouraged me and challenged me, and I hope it's done the same for you. And if you're still listening to this midweek podcast, episode 10, I gotta say that again, um, thank you. You guys um, have endured to the end, um, and I want to thank you for listening. Uh, you can learn more about Refuge City Church at refugecitychurch.com. Also find us on Facebook at Refuge City Church, or on the gram, y'all, um, at Refuge Cedar City. Until next time, and yes, we will be back next week. Um, have a great day. Bye-bye. And that was Ezra.